Hello and welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. We appreciate you joining us through this podcast. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Thank you once again for joining us and enjoy the message. Right on. Thanks guys. Good morning everyone. And we've got a lively bunch here this morning. It's uh this is crazy. I don't know if it's because we're excited about the rain. <laughs> No, no. Hasn't been that dry, I don't think. Or if we're just excited about having a holiday weekend. Could be that. Yeah, thanks all for your service. I greatly appreciate serving our country so that we can be free. So yeah, as our comedy club just announced that uh, Clint and Rose are out this week end, and so they are our the lead. Clint is our lead pastor. He and his wife Rose are taking a much-needed break. And we're glad for that. So if you're here for the first time thinking, but I was hoping to hear the lead pastor, you're just going to have to come next Sunday. I'm pretty sure he'll be back then. Unless he likes his vacation so much, he'll stay away. But again, my name is Lyndon Bontrey, one of the leaders here. And on behalf of Lighthouse, we are very glad you're here. Thanks for joining us this morning. So over the last several weeks, we've been talking about tough topics, living at peace without compromising scripture. And our key verse is Romans 12, 18. It says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And then we're also recognizing the fact that that does say, if it is possible. Uh, we know that it's not always possible to have 100% peace, but it does say, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So these are some fun, fun topics to talk about. Last week, Clint spoke on... Um, same-sex marriage in the church. I have a great message. If you'd like to check that out, you're more than welcome to do so. You can get on our, on our website, lighthousevineyard.church. Click the little messages button, and you can listen to that. Uh, great stuff. So, continuing on with our Tough Topics series, this morning, we're going to talk about immigration. And lots of you, you might not know me. Most of you, some of you do know me. I don't like talking about tough topics like this. But this is good. This is good stuff to bring up and talk about as a church and how, where we as a church stand on this. So, immigration. It's a problem today. Okay? Um, immigration, the definition of immigration is an act or instance of immigrating. That's pretty profound. Uh, also, travel into a country for the purpose of permanent residence there. Currently, our country is debating if, when, how, why, all the above on building a border wall on our southern border. If you didn't know that, I'm, I'd be surprised if you haven't heard that by now. Uh, President Trump is pushing pretty hard for the wall, and many, many, many are opposed to him in that. Um, a number of different countries are currently banned from being allowed into our country as far as uh, uh, border security, due to reasons as far, uh, all kinds of reasons. Uh, as you can imagine, these topics raise some heated debates sometimes. It's, it's a political mess, and overall immigration is a, a tough topic right now. So I'm going to, there, there are millions of facts out there. We're not sure if they're all facts. Some, a lot of the stuff that you find online are opinions, but I, I tried to sift out some of those and pull out a few that we're going to talk about right now. So I'm just going to read a few of these off. 
So in order to qualify for U.S. citizenship through naturalization, an individual must have had LPR status as a green card for at least five years or three years if he or she obtained the green card through a U.S. citizen spouse or through the Violence Against Women Act. There are other exceptions, including but not limited to members of the U.S. military who serve in a time of war or declared hostilities. Applicants for U.S. citizenship must be at least 18 years old demonstrate continuous residency. They must demonstrate good moral character, must pass English and U.S. history and civics exams with certain exceptions, and pay an application fee, among other requirements. Catch all that? Now, that's just part of what it takes to get your citizenship. Another point. Fewer than one in five immigrants in the U.S. today live in poverty. In 2015, the poverty rate for immigrants was 17.3%, compared with a very close, slightly lower, 14.3% of the U.S.-born population. The nation's immigration courts are badly backlogged, meaning that people who arrive must wait a long time before they can have their cases heard. According to Track Immigration, as of April 2017, the average length of time it takes to have a case heard in an immigration court is 555 days. As of that same time in Chicago, Illinois, uh, there were 18,000, just over 18,000 pending cases with the average hearing time of about 1,820 days. That's almost five years. Kind of rough. And there are several categories of legal admission available to people who are fleeing persecution or are, are unable, I think we've got a slide for that, or un unable to their, return to their homeland due to life-threatening or extraordinary conditions. Maybe not. And we extend, uh, to Central America, we extend 3,000 to Central America. Overall, we give out 85,000 a year of those, kind of the free ride type ones. So there's just a few facts and uh, point that we just talked about right now. And overall, it's like drinking from a fire hose. You can't quite get it all in all at once. It's just too much information. And there are, again, there are so many more facts, but we have to, for considering time, only go for over a few of them right now. So with all that in mind, the title of today's teaching is Immigration. Would Jesus build a wall? Clint warned you about this one, so... So just mentioning build a wall today, and I've witnessed this myself, if you say build a wall, it raises some eyebrows, it raises some, maybe some room for some heated debate, it gets political fast, it can. Uh, we're in a day and age where, in the workplace especially, if you say something that someone else disagrees with you on, you could be in hot water, you might get fired, you might get sued. So it's interesting. I'm not trying to step on any toes today. All I'm trying to do, and as we're trying to do as a church, is present church's perspective, our church's perspective on these hot topics. So, before we start into the message, let's pray. Father, I ask for your protection over us right now. I ask for your Holy Spirit to come and fill this place. Give us ears to hear your word. I pray for your peace over us. I pray to God that you would use these words 
right now to teach. Use me, God. Give me the words to say clearly and that we could all be in unity, God. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, so jumping right in, we've got just two points. You can see on your handouts, you might have grabbed one from the ushers. You can follow along if you'd like. Just two points, going to keep it concise. There could be 90 or 1,000, but we're going to do two. Point number one, we are called to love our neighbors. We are called to love our neighbors. So how do we love them? Uh, in Mark 12, 30 through 31, you can, the verses will be up here on the screen, or you can follow along in your Bibles wherever. Um, Jesus is teaching on the greatest commandment, and he says this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Most of us, maybe many of us have heard of the story of the Good Samaritan um, in Luke 10, 25-37. I'm going to read through that right now. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. The significance of the fact that the man that helped was a Samaritan is a huge deal, actually. And as you look into it a little bit further, uh, there's a, the story of the, the origin of Samaritans is really interesting. It's unique. You, we read that back in chapter 17 of 2 Kings in the Old Testament. And I'll summarize it real quick. The, God was sick and tired of all the sinning that his chosen people, the Israelites, were doing. So he was like, all right, have it your way. And he let them be exiled. He let their enemies come in and take over, and they literally exiled them. They were exiled out of their chosen land, their, wherever. And in that process, the king wanted to keep from anything revolting. I don't know exactly all the politics in that, but he, he brought in immigrants from other areas and had them relocate back to where the Israelites were. And these mixture and this culmination of new folks, new peoples, they became known as the Samaritans. And so if you can imagine these Jews, the, the, the Israelites, I'm sorry, they, they were upset 
about these new people coming in and now they're in our spot. They looked at them as half breed. It was a big deal to be a Samaritan because you were really heavily looked down upon by the, by the Israelites. So that is why the story of the good Samaritan is such a big deal. And it carries so much weight is he, that Samaritan had no reason whatsoever to want to take care of that guy, but he did. And that's why Jesus used that story to talk about who is our neighbor. Anyone, anyone is our neighbor. Exodus 23 verse nine says, do not oppress a foreigner. You yourselves know how it feels to be foreigners because you were foreigners in Egypt. I, I tell my oldest daughter, Karis, a number of times, you know how it feels to be picked on? Stop it. Not that you ever pick on your little brother or sister, Karis, but it's like Jesus got it. Or these were the, the laws being written down. He's saying, you know how it feels. Don't do it. So there we say, we're, we're, we're hearing, do not oppress the foreigner. What does oppress mean? Dictionary says to crush or burden by abuse of power or authority. To burden spiritually or mentally, weigh heavily upon. So generally, when I think of the, the term oppression, I think immediately of the governing authorities reigning over um, the populace in a poor way. That's generally what I think. But I think it's more than that. I think oppression, we, could, we, we can all carry, on, carry out oppression. Oppression is when we can oppress people simply by thinking negative, negatively towards them. Negative thinking towards others builds up bitterness. And we drown ourselves and the other person with our own bitterness. We may not be openly stating things negatively towards another person, but our negative feelings and our negative thought towards that person creates that oppression. Another way we can love our neighbors is to not judge them. I think we can all agree it feels really good to not be judged. Uh, that goes without saying, I'm pretty sure. Uh, many of you know, uh, my wife Krista and I, we, we lived in Central America for a number of years. Uh, soon after we were married, we moved down to Nicaragua in Central America, if you're not sure where Nicaragua is, uh, Spanish-speaking country, and beautiful folk, beautiful country. Never once in our time in Nicaragua, we were also in Costa Rica, and we've traveled other places all throughout Central America, Latin America. Never once did we feel oppressed. We, we were always loved and respected, um, maybe slightly judged, but only because we had more money. <laughs> And I don't consider ourselves rich by any means, but living in their situations, we were very rich, even with our tight missionary budget. <clears throat> so I'd like to have a show of hands real quick. This would be fun. How many immigrants do we have here today? All right. There's no, there's no award for you, but let's, let's, let's ask that again. How many immigrants do we have here today? Kind of a trick question. I, I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to submit that unless you're 100% Native American, I don't think we have anyone in here that's 100% Native American. We're technically all immigrants because we all have ancestors that immigrated here in the past. 
I personally am very thankful for my relatives who moved here back in the 1800s. I had to ask my mom to help me clarify a little bit on this. Uh, but my great, great times infinity grandpa moved here back in 1835. Uh, he originally immigrated from Switzerland to Germany to escape persecution. Thankfully did that. Then from Germany back over here to the States to, to get out of having to be pulled into the military in the German military. Joseph Gungrich was his name. That's just my mom's side. I didn't look into my dad's side. So I'm really thankful for that. I'm really blessed to be here in this, in this land. Just being born in the United States mathematically is, a, is kind of improbable. But we have a 1 in 25 chance of being born here in the United States. Now that's just doing the numbers. That's because there are 329 million in the U.S. and 7.7 billion in the world. I'm no math whiz, but that's what my math tells me. Can we blame foreigners for wanting to immigrate to the U.S.? Guys, this is the land of opportunity. The unemployment rate in the state of Indiana is 3.6%. If you ask me, which you didn't, but if you ask me, that's 3.6% too high, I think. I, this is, there are so many jobs out there. It's amazing. It, we, we are in such a, a blessed time, a blessed country. This is the land of opportunity. So while living in, in Nicaragua, I, had, uh, I took the chance, the opportunity to go work a day for a farmer friend of mine that was in our church. Um, I wanted to see what life was like in, in his shoes for some reason. And he was glad to have me come help. So one morning, early before it was light, I took my machete and my big bottle of water, and I walked like 1.6 miles to get there. And I finally get there. It was still dark. I met his son. who was about 12. I think he was 10 to 12. 10 to 12, somewhere in there. Think about this, guys. My kids over here who are 10 and 12. We then walked to the field. I don't even think you can call it a field, but it was a field. We walked about another mile to his field. In the field, there's a picture coming up. It's, it's not exactly where we were, but it's very similar to where we were. The fields were, this is actually a picture of El Crucero where we used to live. In the fields, farmers would farm on the side of mountain because that's what they had. And where you lived, that's what you had, that's what you farmed. So our job that day, Mark, was to till the field. We didn't have any tractors. We had machetes and we had strong ankles. We chopped and we chopped and we chopped until the cows didn't even come home. We, I was so tired. It was so hot and I was so sweaty and dirty. My hands were torn open from blisters. My ankles were about breaking. Finally, this kid said, okay, we can be done. Thank you. We walked home and I thought we were done, but no, we weren't. We had to, we had to gather firewood. And he took advantage of having the second person that day. So we found the largest log we could find and hoisted that up on our shoulders. It was a little rough because I'm up here and he's down here. I'm kind of tall. He's kind of short. We carried that thing at least a half mile back to the house because they had to have firewood so they could cook their wood, cook their food. Their wood. All that, probably the hardest day I've ever worked in my life. And I know how to work hard at I'm not afraid of hard work, but all of that, how much money do you think that would earn a person? Two dollars. Two dollars is what that earns a person. 
So again, we are in the land of opportunity. I can't blame someone for wanting to come and have a better opportunity. Another way we can love our neighbors is care for them. Deuteronomy 14, 28 and 29 says, At the end of every three years, bring all the tithes of that year's produce and store it in your towns, so that the Levites, who have no allotment or inheritance of their own, and the foreigners, the fatherless and the widows who live in your towns, may come and eat and be satisfied, and so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hand. Y'all know that Jesus is a foreigner? Bible doesn't talk about it too much, but Jesus, his family had to flee. They they immigrated from, they immigrated to Egypt so that they could save Jesus' life. Because that's when King Herod was, he passed that law to kill all the baby boys. I don't know if they did it legally or illegally, but they had to flee. So it's interesting to think of Jesus, the savior of this world, as an immigrant. So again, that's point number one. We are called to love our neighbor. Second point, we will always have borders. Just the fact of it. We will always have borders. Some of the first talk of borders is back in the Bible. Uh, we read where this guy by the name of Abraham and his nephew Lot, they were up on a hillside. They were looking over the, the, the land stating, you know, we, we, need to, we need to separate ourselves. Our families are humongous. You go here, I'll go here. This land is your land, this land is my land. They, they, they made borders then because they had to keep themselves separated so that people wouldn't, whatever they were doing, I don't know. But that's where we first hear about borders. This world is God's and everything in it is his. The countries in this world are contained by borders. Yeah, man-made, but they're going to be there. We always have them. We have different cultures in this world, different colors. I think that's beautiful. I think it makes this world a beautiful place. I don't blame immigrants for wanting to come here. I don't. Um, three countries in Central America, El Salvador, Guatemala, and Honduras, are littered with crime. They, we call, they, they're known as the Northern Triangle. Just a quick statistic there. Residents of these three countries pay an estimated $651 million annually Two criminal groups who threaten them with violence should they fail to pay. So they're, talk about oppression, right? And that's not even from the government. Maybe part of it is government. I don't know. So again, I don't blame immigrants for wanting to come here. I don't blame the United States government for wanting to build a wall on our southern border to help filter out the bad stuff. I don't blame the United States government for putting hold and bans on certain countries for wanting to fly here. I don't blame them. They have reasons for doing that. One of the main reasons would be terrorism. I don't know all the other reasons. I don't. I'm also not the judge. I'm a citizen of the United States. And as a follower of Jesus Christ, I'm called to love others. Regardless of what they've done or how they've come here, legally or maybe illegally regardless of how strong or weak our borders are. Speaking of borders, I have crossed the border, just bringing it up, gives me a twitch, between Nicaragua and Costa Rica so many times. And every time it was different. It was so frustrating. 
it would make me want to just scream. Uh, you literally had to hire some kid who would follow you and take you where you needed to go next and hoping you weren't paying too much. It was frustrating. Although I cared very little for that process, I still had to respect it. Whether their practices were right or wrong, I had to respect their policies or lack thereof. God wasn't asking me to enjoy all that, but he was asking me as his child to love others and represent him well. In the Bible, we read Matthew twenty-two twenty-one. Jesus is talking and he says, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. So we didn't cross the border illegally, although I had illegal thoughts here and there. Uh, but also while living in Costa Rica, we tried to go through the process of getting our residencies. That was rough too. Oh my goodness. The bureaucracy that went in there. And that wasn't even a huge, huge deal. We didn't have to, but it would have made our lives a lot easier had we gotten them. We never ended up getting them, which is even more frustrating. But because of that, not getting them, we had to leave the country every three months to renew our tourist, tourist visas. Hence all the border crossing. So all of that stuff was really inconvenient. But we still did it. Sometimes our government's policies are inconvenient. Something to remember, though, we have a dual citizenship. One is to the government in whatever country that we reside. The other one, God. So, in conclusion, Clint said I would answer the question, would Jesus build a wall? And I will. Answer? I don't know. That's an answer, right? Um, Jesus was a carpenter. He built furniture, not walls. Uh, yeah, that was a joke. I don't know. The, I don't know. There are walls around the temple. There are walls around Jerusalem. Walls around the White House, the Vatican, Great Wall of China. Walls around this church. Walls around our communities. My guess is, no, not my guess. Most walls have doors that allow people in, allow people out. How those doors allow people in and out, rarely is that up to me. The only control I have over walls and doors is my own house. And I feel that I'm supposed to do my best in that. So I will. I'm not a U.S. Marshal. Are there any U.S. Marshals in here? You don't have to raise your hand because you probably have to kill me later. The issue here, folks, all right, the, the issue is not a wall. The issue here is not banning certain countries. The issue is right here. Am I allowing others to come into my country, into my neighborhood, my church, to my home? Bottom line, guys, is that we are called to love and not to judge. Right over here, right across the road, Concord Westside Elementary. 67% of those kids are Hispanic. That's a pretty high percent. My guess is that maybe a family or more, maybe a couple of families, maybe, I don't know, could be here illegally. 
I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. My job is not to hunt them down and report them. My job is to love them. They're our neighbors. They're my neighbors. They're your neighbors. You see, we never, we never know the whole story. We don't know why people are here. We don't know why people decided to move. Um, we can assume it was for a better opportunity. We can, we can assume as they're here for bad reason. It's up to us how we assume. We can, we can try to assume the best. But I got to tell you, my country was not safe and I had no means of making a, a safe and healthy uh, wage or I had no means of working safely and healthily to, to provide for my family so that my kids could eat. I got to say that I would probably look to find a different country, whether I'm doing it legally or not. I don't know. I'm not in that situation, though, so I don't know. Again, we're called to love and not to judge, guys. That's the bottom line. So, do we have that video ready? So we're going to take a little couple minutes and watch a music video, listen to it, listen to the words, watch it if you want, and then after that, Matt's going to come up. Thank you for enjoying the message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthousevineyard.church. Thank you once again for being part of our family, and we'll see you next time.